If you're not crystal clear on exactly what you want, and more importantly, why you want it, then making massive changes becomes incredibly difficult. That is because the mind naturally resists what is unknown. What is unknown presents a potential threat to your survival, and survival is the number one job of your mind. So the more that you can train your mind to see what the other side of one of your massive goals, massive transformations looks like, feels like, and it lifts up your soul and excites you, it's going to be that much easier for your mind to become a team player. On today's show, I'm going to tell part one of how my wife and I made a midlife change and took a leap of faith and walked away from our home city of the past 24 years, leaving behind a tribe of friends and successful careers to start all over in a small town we just discovered with no jobs lined up and only a few contacts. Does that sound scary? Oh, hell yeah, it was. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Small Town Secret Sauce Podcast. I'm Barton Quigley, your host. This show is all about empowering you to create the life you want in a small town. Join me as we explore the joys of living a simpler life while succeeding in your business or community organization and overcoming the unique challenges of a smaller population. With inspiring interviews and stories of entrepreneurial success, you'll be motivated to take charge of your life and thrive in your small town community. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Small Town Secret Sauce podcast. On today's show, we're diving into part one of the we story, how my wife Amy and I got inspired to completely transform our lives, do some soul searching, find out exactly what we wanted at this stage, and how we're going to go about achieving it. I'm going to go ahead and give a little backstory here to set the stage. Both Amy and I have lived in big cities since we were young adults, both independently and once we got together in 2000, and continued to do so for the next 24 years. Uh, it really just fit our lifestyle as individuals and as a couple. There's lots of action, things to do, dining, music, dancing, nightlife, festivals, theater, museums, all kinds of interesting people. And Amy and I loved living in San Francisco. Amy moved to the Bay Area when she was 15, uh, family relocation, and then she moved into the city at the age of 18. I had gone to school in Richmond, Virginia, not a huge city, but definitely a, on the smaller side, still a city, very urban. And then from there, after I graduated, spent some time up in D.C., but then I also had made a trip out to San Francisco just to check it out because I just heard so many awesome things about SF. And at the age of 25, two years later, I decided to go ahead and dive in and make the move full time. And San Francisco has it all. It has arts, culture, history, great nightlife, scenic beauty, new and exciting ideas, being California, with wildly creative people, uh, access to wine country and the mountains and the coast. But the food, oh my gosh, the food in that city is off something, right? If I say off the hook, I'm too old, whatever. <laughs> it's incredible. It's not to be believed. The diversity of the food and also just the number of restaurants and the talent that goes in there. I remember there's a stat and I don't know if it's still true, but it was more restaurants per capita than in anywhere else in the world. So it was certainly a culinary capital and that just fit our lifestyle. We love dining, drinking, dancing, nightlife, all that kind of good stuff. 
San Francisco is just truly one of the most beautiful, dynamic places in the world. It's where we made our life together and became who we are today. Plus, we found our tribe of amazing, loving people, our chosen family. San Francisco is where we found our ever-changing and evolving and eclectic career paths, and where I launched my first successful business as a solo dog walker, which was my golden parachute from 13 years of stress and anxiety and drudgery of corporate America. Thumbs down. Anyway, life was great, and we thought we'd never leave. So why did we leave? Well, first of all, let me just say this. Do not let the doom and gloom media paint the whole picture. Yes, San Francisco is having a moment right now, but its challenges weren't the driving force. It was something internal within each of us and collectively as a couple. Something was off. There was a deeper yearning bubbling up, and we knew we wanted a change, but we didn't know exactly what it was. However, we noticed that there were two topics of conversation that kept coming up. One was about having an art studio space. Uh, we're both very creative and we love making things like crafts and costumes and redoing furniture. And yes, I said costumes. Like we love a theme party. You know, Halloween's for amateurs. We throw specific theme parties just so we can tell everybody they got to show up in costume. Uh, they, they went all over the place. Luau parties. Uh, we had one called Aviation where we, we had this really cool vintage travel poster. Have you ever seen it? It's like, you know, like, go to Key West via Pan Am Airlines or whatever, in places, beautiful places all over the world. Well, I thought they were stunning pieces of art, and I thought, well, why don't we just hang them up on the wall? And I was like, oh, okay, well, we could throw a theme party that's all about travel, and we'll just call it Aviation Party, and we just left it at that. So anyway, I digress. But we didn't have a space to be able to do all this creativity because it's a one bedroom apartment in a city and we're neat and tidy people. We don't want to leave, you know, you know, live in a workshop. So because of the limited space, we felt stifled creatively. We, we really needed more space. And the more we talked about it, the more we knew it was very important to us. Doing those creative projects was some of the highlights of our lives and just very filling for our soul. That was our creative itch and we really, really wanted to scratch it. So the second topic was living in the country. We started to notice that whenever we would make a trip to a small coastal town or head out to wine country, that there was a different feeling. It's like our nervous systems just got to take a chill pill because there's less people, less traffic. Uh, it's scenic beauty. It's quiet. You can hear the birds. And so we thought, okay, we thought for a minute, well, why don't we just think about buying a country home and then commuting to the city for our jobs, businesses, whatever. Well, yeah, that's that's sweet. California is ridiculously expensive, especially in the Bay Area. And from an outsider looking at the surface level of our salary, they would say, you know, dang, y'all rich. Well, no, we were not. Because that money didn't go far at all in the Bay Area. So this is where we started to feel stuck. But we kept talking, living, talking, and living and we hadn't reached the moment of clarity yet, but we just kept circling around this topic. And it's funny because in hindsight, I could actually see where some of the seeds had obviously been planted that were going to lead to this transition from big city to a small town. One of the first seeds was the show Hometown. It's a home improvement show based in Laurel, Mississippi. There were other home improvement shows that we enjoyed watching leading up to it, such as Fixer Upper and Rehab Addict, but there was something about 
hometown that really struck a chord. Well, okay. For one, the prices of the houses are not to be believed. We're we're sitting in San Francisco, right? Where it's like million dollars. I mean, you you really need like a million dollars to get anything halfway decent. And they got people coming on the show and they're like, hey, so what y'all's, you know, like all in budget for buying the house and renovating and doing all this stuff. And they're like, $250,000. $250,000. And it's like, our jaws just hit the floor. We're like, you joking? Are you kidding? And so we just really got into the show. The hosts, Ben and Aaron, are just so sweet, so amazing. They really care about their community and about improving the, the area, which was hit by Hurricane Katrina pretty bad, and really just revitalizing this town. Now, it's a town of about 15,000. And the more we watch this show, the more we thought, okay, wait a minute, we're, we're, we're jaded, right? We're looking at everything through uber-rich San Francisco. And that, yes, there are areas in the country that we could go buy a home and live this small-town life, right? Kind of bring back in the trips to coastal, small coastal towns or to wine country. And it was just this attraction that just really started to bloom that, man, we want to slow things down. We've lived in a city for, like I think it was like 30 years, each of us ever since we were adults, ever since the age of 18. And maybe now's a time where we just start to bring it down and start to chill out and and have space where we can create all of our art stuff that we want to do or plant a garden. And so that really kind of started to take a shine. And we just really became uh, the show Hometown Addicts. We were like, okay, I, I think we're on to something here. Now, the second seed would have been the movie Doc Hollywood, <laughs> which Amy always gets not mad at me, but just makes fun of me because fast forward and we tell people like, hey, we're going to go to move to a small town. They're like, oh, wow, what was the inspiration? And I'm like, you ever see the movie Doc Hollywood? Now, this was not like a blockbuster hit from the 90s, but Michael J. Fox, I mean, it's 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 no small film. But Amy just shakes her head and look at me. She goes, honey, no. Nah. Nobody knows that movie. They don't understand your reference. But I would keep trying because it was true. Doc Hollywood was one of my favorite movies when I was a teenager. And it, I didn't have cable. You know, it was it wasn't it was something before Blockbuster. I forget what it was called. But we had two VCRs. And so whenever we would go rent a movie, if it was a good movie, we'd just dub it over. So uh, I realized I just, I just outed myself to the FBI. But uh, I wasn't selling the movies. So anyway, in the summertime, I would watch those tapes because, like I said, I didn't have cable. And there was something very special and endearing about Doc Hollywood that I just liked. I mean, it's a sweet film. If you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. But anyway, so the premise of the story, and I won't give it everything away, but Michael J. Fox plays this hotshot doctor from D.C., and he's going to go out to L.A. and become a high-priced plastic surgeon and get all the chicks and make tons of money and... He's going to drive there. So he takes his little convertible, sweet little sports car, and he goes driving over, hits a major traffic jam, and has to go around. Like, this looks like they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So he goes off-roading, basically, and picks up a small country road. He's like, oh, yeah. And uh, theme song's playing, you know, montage, hair's flying along. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, there's a pack of cows in the road, and he's got to make a hard right to avoid hitting them. Plows through a bunch of trees and then ends up plowing through the fence. The fence of the local judge of a small town. 
Well, this judge is none too pleased. First, Michael J. Fox protests. His name is uh, Dr. Ben Stone. Dr. Stone protests and says, look, I'll put you in touch with my insurance company. They'll pay for the fence and I can go on with my life. And the judge basically says, I built that fence with my bare hands. Neither you nor the insurance company can pay me for that, can re replace that fence. However, he said, you are a doctor and we are in acute shortage of a doctor in this town. So I'm going to sentence you to community service. So the whole time, basically the town, the mayor, uh, everybody is trying to get Ben Stone to stay because they desperately need a doctor. And the sweetest part is the mayor driving him around and pointing out all the nice things like, oh, look, we just got a Winn-Dixie and all this other stuff. He's like, look, it's quieter here. It's more peaceful here. And he would say, you know, get off the interstate, Ben Stone. Well, there was something about watching the show Hometown and how that now bridged over to a more recent time of watching the movie Doc Holloway. We were like, oh, wait a minute. Hold on now. We're, we're, we're putting these things together here. Lower cost of living, community spirit, because in the movie it is very endearing. The community does really pull together. Everybody knows each other. They have this sweet little thing, the squash festival, and everybody comes out and they put in their best. And we're just like, holy crap. That's it. That is what we want. And that light bulb moment was the very beginning of where we were going to go from there and how we were going to all of a sudden go, well, okay, how are we, how are we going to, how we pull this off? What are we going to do? A million, a million questions. So we knew we had the inspo, right? But we didn't have the clarity of exactly what it was. It was just kind of a, I don't know, I think everybody's got a certain picture or movie or scene or show that they watch and they look on finally because their heart's responding to it. It's like, I want that. But if it's too uh, vague, then okay, well, exactly what is it that you want? And so with the pandemic, and I think there's a lot of people who will share in this story. We just took a look at our life and go, what, what are we doing? Where are we going with all this? You know, we, we want to buy a house someday. We want to have enough space for an art studio and plant a garden. And how about a, a flipping guest room? So people are going to sleep in their living room on an air mattress, which always ends up seeming to get a hole in it. And then we come out and find our poor guest just enveloped in rubber. Um, but I, what are we doing with our lives? Where are we going from here? So for instance, you know, I, like I said, I was a very successful dog walker, run my own business on my own. It was great, made great money, but I knew that there was something more for me and I didn't know exactly what that was going to be, but I knew I wanted to shake up and Amy shared in that same sentiment. And then, so we just kept kind of talking about it. What would that be? And then finally in spring of 2022, we looked at each other and just said, let's do this. But how? Well, first of all, I am a geek on all things neuroscience and productivity and learning. Having been chased or chasing, I should say, the entrepreneurial bug for a long time, the dog walking thing was actually my one, two, three, fourth attempt to create a business that could get me out of corporate. Uh, so I knew a lot of the concepts about vision and how are you going to be able to see what it is that you're you're wanting to and how you're able to, to clarify so that you can then start to make it a reality. And I am a huge fan of the vision board. So the way the vision board worked was like this. We knew that we wanted to live in a town, in the mountains, body of water was important. We've, uh, well, I've lived on both coasts. Amy's lived, uh, she's from Milwaukee. 
uh, where they actually have a lot of lakes. So she likes the water aspect. Uh, didn't really care necessarily to be near a beach anymore. So we're like, okay, but mountains are important, being close to nature, country, and some sort of body of water. So we searched on the internet and found a picture of this sweet little house on a lake. We were like, cool, okay. So you take a big poster board, right? Kind of the biggest one you can find at the art store or the craft store. Well, I guess some art stores have some really monster ones, but two feet by three feet, something like that, something sizable. And we pasted the picture of the house on a lake in the center. And then I grabbed a bunch of post-it notes. Uh, we just started with plain vanilla. I'm gonna, I'm gonna geek out a little bit here for my fellow geeks who wanna know how we did this. And we took the, the post-it notes and I said, okay, so let's set the stage. You've got to remove all restrictions, all obstacles on making this thing. The natural tendency is to go, well, what have I done before? Or what do I think I can do? To go for something that is transformative, that really is soul filling, you got to stretch way past what you think you can do. And it's not about necessarily getting there. It's just going to push you so much closer to what you really would want if you did win the lottery, if you did have a genie, if time, money, and resource were no longer any object. Then we just started writing down things and we would call them out. Um, weather, not too hot, not too cold, closer to family, some arts and culture. We figured to go into a small town, we might be having to sacrifice that. And then on and on, we went through our whole list. Room for a garden, uh, two bedroom. You know, it's again, shoot for the moon. That's the whole point of doing the vision board. And the beautiful thing was, there was not one post-it that the other person wrote where the other, hold on, how am I going to say this right? There was not one post-it that someone wrote that the other person said, oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't like that. We, we were lit up. We were in lockstep. And when we were done, we had just all these post-its. It was like, man, this is great. This sounds, show me that. Then the next thing was to color code the post-its and place them in rings. The inner ring would be deal breaker. Second ring would be almost a deal breaker. And then the last ring would be, okay, we can make some concessions because we understand that we are shooting for the moon here. And when we were done, we both had a moment of just almost like being awestruck, you know, tearing up because it was beautiful. This was exactly what we wanted. This was paradise for the, the place we wanted to live, the lifestyle we wanted to have. And it just kept giving us so much joy to look at. Almost a feeling of disbelief, but total belief going, okay, now let's go for that. So here's how the vision board is really going to help you out. You have to leave it somewhere visible. You cannot put it away out of sight, out of mind. And every time you walk by and look at that vision board, your brain is taking note and it is saying, okay, this is important. This is what we all need to focus on. We all, I don't know how many brains you got. I got one. Um, <laughs> sometimes it feels like two, but anyway, this is what we're focusing on. And when you start to sleep on it, you, you create little neural connections that you're completely unaware of. There's a whole deep dive into neuroscience on that I won't get into. But it almost starts to make other connections. It's kind of like, yeah, it sounds hippy-dippy, but you're, you're letting the universe know, hey, this is what's important to us. And the universe is like, cool, let's see what we can work on here. The first criteria 
filter that we started with was weather. Not too hot, not too cold. Amy's from Milwaukee, awesome place, would move there in a heartbeat, but they just, their winters last too long and they just get so much snow. Some snow was fine, but just didn't want that much. Anywhere in the south starts to really get into these super, super hot. Not that, you know, middle, more temperate areas don't get hot, but it just seems to last a long time in the deep south. So where we ended up with was Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland. And for a curveball, we, we left Colorado in there. But Colorado ended up not making the cut because it was just, it was too far from family. My family's in Virginia and Maryland, and my wife's is in Wisconsin. So once we had the states, then it became, okay, I don't know. I started searching on like niche.com, like best small towns. And some of the stuff that came back was, you know, it was all right. And we thought, okay, well, what's a better search term? Now, we're going to a small town. The one concern coming from an incredibly diverse city like San Francisco is a complete lack of diversity and a very one-note town. And if you don't fit in with that one note, then it's going to be, it's not going to be the greatest experience. So there's got to be enough diversity. What's a characteristic that would bring diversity and fresh blood? College. So we used college towns. And then we started combing through the search results for each of those states for best college towns. And there were some good characteristics that we found, something that were some of that were very promising. But there were also items on our, you know, our deal breaker list on the vision board that just weren't being checked off. So we had to just apply the filter and move on, despite how charming the town looked, how pretty it looked, etc. And then in one of those search results came back Lynchburg, Virginia, which I was struck because I know of the town, but I've never been to it. I, I went to college two hours east of here but had never been here. And I just saw some of the stuff that they had that they were sharing. And I was like, oh, wow, this sounds, this sounds, I don't know, looks like this could be promising. But um, can we just pause for a second? Lynch, Berg, goodness, come on. Don't tell me this is like a racist historic relic. And now there's just all this stigma and everything else. But I did dive into it. And it's named after the founder of the town, John Lynch. And he built bridges and ferries and things like that. So it didn't have to do with what the term Lynch means. So let's just get that out of the way there. Once we got past that, then we started looking and seeing, okay, well, how's the sense of community? What's the crime? What's the cost of living? What's proximity to other places that we would like to go? And it, it was very, very, very promising. But there were two things that we discovered that really helped kick off the deep dive and send us down various rabbit holes to discover everything we wanted to know about this town. Uh, first is awesome realtor and guy who's just amazing person who became a good friend, JD Miller, and his YouTube videos all about in and around the town of Lynchburg were hugely helpful. He would talk about uh, crime rate, cost of living, what's traffic like, what are the pros and cons, what's the weather like, and just all kinds of video tours of the town that were just like, oh man, this is great. This is ridiculous. We're getting like, you know, a virtual tour here. Thanks to this guy. And uh, also he's just really funny. You should check out his videos. And definitely if you need real estate in the Lynchburg area, look up JD Miller. The second was the downtown Lynchburg association. They have a website and then we discover their Instagram account. They're, they're a nonprofit and they are, their mission is to help revitalize, grow and promote 
downtown Lynchburg and to see it come back to life because it is, it, 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 when we talked to locals, they said, listen, downtown Lynchburg was, you didn't want to come here five years ago. So hats off to the Downtown Lynchburg Association for everything that they've done to revitalize and give new life and new spirit to the downtown. So with that mission, they are constantly on the hunt to share new businesses and new people and new community events, as well as create some of their own. And we just started, you know, they would tag somebody we're like, oh, I'm going to start following that person. Well, that person would share a post and talk about their other friend, this other entrepreneur or this other community leader. So we would tag that person. And on and on it went. It seemed like nearly every day, because I was the one primarily going through and doing these deep dives, that I would just come running to Amy and be like, you got to check this out. Look at this community event. Look at this uh, community garden that they have. Look at this. Oh, my God. Look at the farming that's going on here. And they're doing things regeneratively. And oh my gosh, look at this small business. Look at this wild story, which a future guest I definitely want to have is Marshroot Seafood in central Virginia, they're trucking in seafood. Oh, what a story. It just, it filled our hearts. And we were like, yes, because this is the kind of place, which was a very important thing of why we chose a small town that we can dive into and get to be a part of the community and make a difference. And also from an entrepreneurial perspective, there's a lot of opportunity in a small town. And there was just enough stuff going on there where you're like, oh, wow. It's not like everything's been canvas. There's room to create new, exciting stuff. With each discovery of all the awesomeness that we found, we would go and we would check off one of the post-its on the vision board. And I kid you not, we checked off every single one. One that was very important to us coming from San Francisco and our tribe there was gay friendly. And I said, I don't know, babe, small town, central Virginia, we might have our work cut out for that. And when I saw an Instagram post of drag brunch on Sunday at 12 noon, I said, okay, we're good. And that's exactly when we were sold. We're like, there's, there's enough diversity of opinion and ideas. It is not one note. It is not an extreme left, an extreme right. It seemed like, okay, there's room for everybody to swim in their own lane. And at that point, I reached out to the downtown Lynchburg Instagram account, DLA, and just said, hey, crazy idea. I'm a Virginia son looking to relocate back to Virginia, thinking about your town. Would you jump on a call with me? And they said, yes, of course. Our marketing director would be more than happy to get on the phone with you. And we chatted with him. We chatted with him for 15 minutes. I asked for five. So gracious and really gave us the, the, the foot on the ground, the feet on the ground perspective that, yes, there is diversity. Every place has its challenges in terms of tolerance and everything else. But overall, this is a really great place. And we said, okay. Then I started telling family and friends, especially folks that were, I went to school with in Richmond that were close. And I, I don't know that there was ever one where somebody was like, yeah, man, right on. Good choice. In fact, when I called my friend, Bill, I said, Bill, I know it's been forever, man. Hope you're doing well. I, let me, let me, let me lay this on you. We're thinking about moving. We're thinking about moving to Virginia and we found a town that checks off everything on our vision board. Let me lay it on you. Lynchburg. And it was like, uh, no, hell no, run far away, uh, burn that place to the ground. What are you guys thinking? But these kind of cold water splashes are good. When you're going to make such a serious decision to completely transform your life, especially at 50, you really want to know 
is this the right town for me? So that began a whole parade of things that we would find. You know, your, your, your scarcity negative based mind is always worrying about like, yeah, what well, did you see? There was a shooting. Yeah. Well, let me, let me compare the crime rate of Lynchburg to San Francisco. San Francisco is one of the top three worst crime cities. Lynchburg is in like a, a very tolerable percentage. I was like, okay, okay. So on and on, we kind of went through that process and we kept coming back to the vision board. That was our rock. Does this place meet what we said lights up our soul? The answer was yes, yes, yes. Okay. So now we need to get there. Took a trip in September of 2022 and it just, it passed the sniff test, the eyeball test. It's like our bodies responding. We were driving around the country. It was just like, oh my gosh, look at this. They had a little beer, wine, and cider festival. And I don't know how many people it was, like 1,500, maybe 2,000. I mean, it was sweet. It was like great. And we talked to all the locals. It's like, well, how is it here? How do you like living here? And I, the most important responses did not come from uh, the white folks like us. They came from people of color. Uh, from people in our rainbow community. And the responses were very honest, but also very inspiring that, yes, there's room for change, room for improvement, but overall, the tide is really moving in the right direction. And that was it, right then and there, sold. And when I say sold, and this is very important, because I talked about it, I teased it in the very beginning, which I said, you have to know exactly what you want and exactly why you want it because you're going to be challenged. And to do some major leap of faith like this, it's got to sit in your bones, in your gut, in your heart, in your soul, because you're going to be presented with roadblock after roadblock and your mind's going to want to find that safe chair, right? Musical chairs. Now, just go ahead and hurry up and sit down. Nope. Everything's going to go in the crapper. This is not going to work. <laughs> Negative Nancy, or as I call mine, Dave. But story for another time on that. But that's what we had. We knew it. I mean, we looked at each other and it was just like glowing. Yes, our bodies were responding. Our, our deep core was responding. Us as a couple were responding. But now, okay, that's great. How do we pull this off? Well, I'm going to go ahead and leave it there for this one. Yes, I'm creating a cliffhanger. Sue me. <laughs> launching a podcast show. What else am I supposed to do? So go ahead and tune in for episode three to hear the rest of that crazy story. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. And until next time, please, please, please keep those passions lit.